you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 4, verses 42 through 44 is where we're going to be this morning. As we talk about purpose and priorities, actually there's a difference, and we're going to explain that as we go through uh, this morning, that our purpose and our priority really is two different things that combined to make one ideal for us. It's amazing how some people are naturally drawn to their priorities in life. It's just almost instinctive in their life that they know what they're doing. In a classified ad in a newspaper back in 1978, a farmer with 160 irrigated acres wanted a marriage-minded woman with a tractor. In the classified, it said this, When replying, please send picture of the tractor. For some reason, I thought of Doug and Sharon and that. You know, uh, Junior and Sandy, you know, those guys, you know, uh, kind of thing. Let me ask you this this morning as we get started. What are your priorities in life? What are some of our priorities in life? Have we ever spent a lot of time thinking about it? I mean, in, in really thinking about our priorities in life, why we do what we do. I would say most people have not in life. I don't care how old they are, how young they are, they really haven't thought about it. They just go day to day, do whatever they want, whatever they want, whenever they want, without really asking themselves, what should we really be doing? What's of greatest importance for us? Which shows us the truth of a well-known businessman in California. He said this several years back. He said, there are two things that are difficult for most people to do. One is to think, which, just look at the world today, and to do things in the order of their importance. To think, but then to do things in order of importance. It's one of those things that we may start out the morning and think, this is the most important thing I need to do, do, do today. But in an hour or two, all those things have switched because priorities have changed. Life has changed. I know there's a lot of days I can be thinking, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And by 2 or 3 o'clock, I'm going to be kind of free to do something else. And within an hour... One phone call changes all that. And it's not that the other wasn't important, but guess what? This new thing takes priority in what's going on. Maybe it's a hospital call. Maybe somebody's down, you know, those kinds of things. So things change very quickly. I truly believe it'd be a tragedy for us to go through our life, our whole life, and at the end of our life look back and think and realize that we spent all of our time, all of our money, all of our energy on things that were pointless, on things that really had no value in life. That's not going to carry over to the next life. How depressing it would be to realize that we wasted our entire life on vain pursuits. Just because it sounded fun. Just because it looked fun. So what should you spend your life on? I'm thankful the scripture gives us so many clear pictures. And clear statements that we should have a purpose. And what our priority should be when we set out on life. There are hundreds such statements, and they all kind of boil down to one thing. One of them I read earlier from Proverbs talks about the purpose in life. But you see in Scripture, it's right here in black and white. The Scripture kind of gives us this bottom line of what our purpose should be, how to set priorities, and how to live that life of purpose. So what is it? It's the title of our sermon, to make things important that are of internal significance. It's things that's going to be carried over into heaven. Things that's going to get us to heaven in eternal life. I want you to understand the television shows that we watch, they won't last. 
The knowledge we have about cars and about sports and about all these other things doesn't matter. The wealth we may accumulate in our 401k throughout life won't matter. Understand the only thing that really matters are things of eternal significance in our life. Things that matter to God. The only things that matter have eternal significance. Getting our name in a history book doesn't make any difference if our name is not in the book of life. Will you agree with me on that? I mean, we were at Seeger, Russell and Kenny and I. They were refereeing. I went with them. And it's still cool to see my name on the board after 30-some years for long jump record. I will admit, it's still cool. In fact, I made sure Kenny saw it <laughs> at the end of the game. Kenny, you know the name up there, buddy? You know? It's still cool to me to do that. But guess what? That has no eternal significance for it. Okay? What I'm doing today, right here, right now, has eternal significance for me, for you, because I'm preaching God's word. Getting wealth on earth doesn't matter if you lose it all and not get to heaven. I mean, Mark 8.36 says this, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Was it gained to have everything in the world, all the toys, all the money, all the things that we want, yet not have Jesus Christ in our life? Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added to you. If it's part of the purpose and priority of life, then God will give us those things. So what does he say your priority should be? To seek first the kingdom of God in everything in our life. To live with eternity in mind. To live with heaven in sight. No matter what we're doing, no matter what we're at, no matter what's happening in life, that we have heaven in sight. Paul says the same thing in many places. For example, Colossians 3, 2, he says this. He says, set your mind on what? Things above. In other words, set your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things. So what should our priorities be? We should focus on things that will last for eternity. This is what we see Jesus do in our text we're going to read, where it shows us that Jesus knew, one, his priorities, and two, his purpose. We want to see this. Jesus knew what to put first and what he was sent on earth to do. He understood those things. It is these things that he focused on. So let's look at the first priority that he set for himself in Luke 4, 42. And we see there that Jesus made his relationship with his father first priority. I want you to understand that. It was that priority that he had. No matter what he was doing, no matter where he was going, no matter what was happening, his relationship with God the Father was first. So point number one in your outline is this. Jesus made prayer a priority. 42, verse 42, the first part says this. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. Okay, when the day was over, he had a long day. When it was over, it says he went to a deserted place. Now, understand, this would be a Sunday in Jesus' day, the day after the Sabbath. And he had, again, he had a tiring day. He'd been in the synagogue. He'd been casting out demons. He'd been healing all kinds of diseases. And the day that followed, or the night that followed, was even longer. 
Because all the people that were there followed him to this deserted place. And he spent the night healing the multitudes that came to him. But in verse 42, according to that, it says, When it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. He went to a deserted place. Why? Let me ask you this. What was in that deserted place? God. But who wasn't in that place? People. Okay? He got away from the people. It's just between him and God, him and his father, because his relationship to his father was the most important thing, that this was the main purpose for him. And I think that kind of startles us at first, that here Jesus is, and we often think of Jesus as somebody who never needed a moment alone. I mean, he's the son of God. I mean, you would think he would have all the energy and all the strength that he needed to do what he needed to do. But here is Jesus, after a long day and a long night of doing God's purpose, had to get away. Who constantly gave and sought out crowds so that he could teach and heal them. But this is not the Jesus the Gospels reveal to us. Very frequently we read of him going to a desert place to skip the crowds. If it wasn't a a desert place, it was a mountain. But here it's a deserted place, like we read here. This wasn't because he didn't love people. Understand that. He didn't get, get away because he didn't love people. He does love people. He loves all people. He always has time for people. He always gives sacrificially to people. That wasn't the question. But the question was, what is his purpose? What is his priority? You see, Jesus realized something. He realized this in your outline. He realized that people were not his number one priority. And at first, we kind of go, ouch. Are you saying Jesus is I'm not most important? Jesus doesn't think I'm number one priority? Start, certainly not. Not according to Scripture. Yes, Jesus came to bring salvation to the people of the world. That was his goal, but that was not his priority. His priority was what? His relationship with the Father. That was the number one thing. And he had to get away to do that. We see it here. And whenever else he escapes people, the reason he departs from the crowds and goes to these deserted places is because his priority was this, his relationship with God the Father. His relationship with God the Father had to be number one. And he understood this. You see, Jesus knew that unless his relationship with God the Father was number one, that he he would be worthless to people. And what I mean by that is this. If he didn't set things out right, and if he didn't do his purpose of being alone with God at certain times and being away from the crowds, being away from the demands, being away from all these things, that he could not do what he needed to do to heal, to be with people, to give himself. Remember we said it last week. Jesus went about his ministry, he had three and a half years to do this, but he was always willing to stop, always willing to pause for the sick or for weddings or for funerals. He was still willing to do those things, but also he was willing and able to do those things because he first realized his relationship with God the Father was the most important thing. And this is what we see Jesus doing all the time in his ministry, what he was trying to do. When most of us would say, I've had a long day. I'm just tired. I just need to go home, kick my feet up, 
grab a glass of iced tea. I just need to relax, right? That's what we would say. Or we'll say, you know, I need to take it easy today because, man, tomorrow's a big day. I've got this and this and this I need to do. I need to get a good night's sleep. But Jesus says this. After a long, hard day, even day and night in our text, he says, you know, I'm tired. I've had a long day, a long night doing all these things for people. He doesn't say I need to go relax. What does he say? I need to go spend more time with my Heavenly Father. That's where he gets his energy. That's where he gets his strength. That's where he gets his idea of what he needs to do. Jesus says, I need to spend extra time with God. I need to pray. Just as an example, Luke 6, 12. The day before, he's about to pick his apostles. And this huge decision that he needs to make, rather than get a good night's sleep, what does he do? He spends all night in prayer. Listen to what he says. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Huge decision. He spends all night praying his relationship with the Father. And he still had strength to do what he needed to do. Important decisions, long days, grueling days. He spends time with God. Why? Because he knows, he understands where to go to get energized. He knows what his number one priority is. That's his relationship with God. Everything else is worthless to Jesus unless this falls into place. This relationship falls into place. The number one priority with Jesus is his relationship with God. So he spends a lot of time with God, communicating with God, reading the Bible and praying. Do we understand? And I think we do. I'm not questioning this. But we need to remember that God speaks to us through his word. Not just when I'm up here preaching, just not through the songs we sing, when the elder comes up and does a communion meditation. That's not the only time God communicates with us. God communicates with us when we get into his word in our quiet time and we stop and we shut up and we listen to what he has for us. That's when he tells us. Now when you think about it, Jesus discovered that until he is in a right relationship with God, when everything is right there, and that's why he prays for himself first. This is another thing we need to understand. In all these things, when Jesus goes to pray to be with God the Father, he always starts with himself first. Not a selfish request like we do a lot of times for money, cars, bigger houses, toys that we want. That's not what Jesus does. But he starts with confession of sin request. The request for God's will to be done in his life is what he's doing. And so this is what he has to do. But the confession of sin request, the request for the filling of the Spirit, first and foremost, and for the Word of God to be revealed in him. Again, this is Jesus we're talking about. So if Jesus needed to do this, to make sure his relationship with God was right, to make sure he spent time with God was right, to spend time in the Word is right, and to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill him. If Jesus needed to do this, shouldn't we? Should we make it a priority in our life to do this? To stop, to pause, to get away from the crowds and just you and God time? We have to really think about this. And for the word of God to be revealed. Have you ever wondered what to pray for yourself without being selfish? I mean, it's hard. 
Because sometimes we just don't want it. One of the hardest things for me to do is talk about myself. You know, somebody asks, well, you know, what about you? I said, I just kind of do this, you know, no big deal. You know, I hate talking about myself, but here, pray scripture. If you don't know what to pray for yourself, pray scripture. Here's two scriptures I want you to write down. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. I don't know if I put it in your bulletin or not. Make sure it is. Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Just start there and pray those things. There are several prayer requests in these passages that Paul prays for the believers in Ephesus, and we can pray constantly for ourselves. It's not a bad thing. When we pray for these things, it's going to put an ongoing fellowship with God front and center in our life, which is what we need. This is what Jesus did. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, this is where he tells them to begin in Luke 11 in one place. It contains the model prayer. And in Luke eleven two, 2, Jesus tells them to begin by glorifying God. Start by glorifying God, asking for God's will to be done. Then he illustrates them and instructs them to begin with themselves in confession of sin. In other words, I'm going to make sure I'm coming to God the Father with a pure heart, with a forgiven spirit. And we see something similar in the real Lord's Prayer in John 17. There Jesus begins praying for himself in 17.1 where he says this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Jesus begins with himself first and foremost. He continues to pray for himself all the way through John 17.8. And then he goes kind of from this center, this bullseye in the middle, that I'm going to make sure I'm right with God, I'm right with everything going on in my life. And then he kind of spreads it out in a concentric circle where there's another area, and this is where he prays for everyone. Now, I love this part of it. He prays for everyone. Who would ever believe in him or believe that he would pray for everyone? I want you to think about this. When he prayed for everyone in this John 17, 8, he's praying for us. Because it says he's praying for all those who will believe. So even back in Jesus' day when he's praying this prayer, he says, I pray for everyone, for all those who will believe. It's for us. And I want you to understand that includes you and me in this. Jesus prays for you. It's amazing to read, and we need to continually read that in our life. And I would encourage you to read it. And in John 17, 20 through 24, just continue to read those scriptures as you go through this time. But this also illustrates the point that we have seen back in Luke 4.42. That Jesus makes his relationship with the Father the number one priority. You see how that worked? Jesus is the number one priority and then all these things are added to it. When God is priority, all these other things can fall into place. Now if Jesus being God himself, needed to maintain this kind of relationship with God the Father, I'm going to ask you this. How much more do we? How much more do we? Are we making our relationship with God our number one priority? Or is he farther down on that list? We've got to be honest. You see, making God a priority simply means giving him lots of time. It's giving him lots of time. You see, you can always determine what your priorities are by how much time you spend on it. And I will admit, our children, our grandchildren, are huge priorities of our time. 
And we would spend lots of time with them. If work is a priority, you're going to spend a lot of time at work, more, more than the average person, I would say. If sports and recreation are a priority, you're going to spend lots of time doing those things. And whether you realize it or not, if you spend lots of time in front of the television, what does that make it? It's pretty high on priority time. And it's easy to do. Why? Because we can just veg in front of the old boob tube and not really have to think, not really have to worry. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. You can't really change how much you sleep. You really can't change how much you work. But the item that is last on that list, a lot of times needs to be moved up. Because what is a lot of times last on our list of priorities? Let's be honest. After work, after sleep, after family, after recreation, after all those things, what comes last? Why is it Sunday we're always the tiredest? Why is Sunday always that day we kind of roll over and go, I could really sleep in this morning? God is last. I mean, let's be honest. God a lot of times falls way down below our priorities. And again, what Jesus is trying to tell us, and what I'm trying to tell you and from Jesus' example, if Jesus makes it this much of a priority, should we not also? We need to move some things down. And I can guarantee you, all of us sitting here can move God up a notch. Because I would say, very few of us, me included, has God priority number one all the time. Okay? I'm not being mean. Please, don't get that. But it's true. You see, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't pray regularly, get on a schedule where you spend at least five or ten minutes every day in the Word. Did you catch that? Five or 10 minutes. Do this for me. Have your Bible ready. The next time you watch your favorite TV program, pick up the Bible and read through the commercials. Man, you got 10 minutes right there every hour. Just do that. Or every time you watch that TV show, when that commercial comes on, hit mute, pray for a couple minutes. Easy. And you may be thinking, but I'm not giving. Well, no, I understand that. But you still got the TV on. You're still doing those things. It's a start. It's a start, and you can do these things. Another way to get, make God a priority, aside from spending lots of time with Him, is to discover what He put you here on earth to do. Find what God has for you. What are His plans for you? And then fulfill those plans. Do what God is calling us to do, to discover what your purpose in life is, and then fulfill that purpose. We see it in Luke 4.42. And on into Luke 5, that Christ, because of spending a lot of time with God, because Jesus made God his top priority, Jesus clearly and he accurately knew what his purpose was and set out single-mindedly to fulfill that purpose. And we read in Luke 4, 42, the last part of 42 and through 44, what that purpose is. Point number two is this. Jesus' purpose was preaching. Was preaching. We see it in our text that the crowds wanted to keep Jesus for themselves. I mean, why not? Jesus is here, and it says this, And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. Why? He had healed their sicknesses. He was teaching them. They, he fed them for crying out loud. Why would you not want to keep this guy around? And that's what they wanted to do. But Jesus had gone off. He had wandered off to spend time alone with the Father, and yet the crowds followed him and tried to keep him from leaving. And the night before, 
The night before, he just healed all their sicknesses. He had just fed them. He had done all these things. And they realized, hey, this could be kind of cool keeping this guy here. You know, after all, we won't need uh, insurance. We won't have any doctor bills. We won't be sick anymore. Let's do everything we can to do this. But listen to what Jesus says in verse 43. Because they want to keep him. They're saying, no, come back. He said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Did you catch what he said? I must preach. He must do those things. What was Christ's purpose on coming to earth? To preach the kingdom of God. It's not something he simply wants to do. It was not one good thing among several. It was one thing he must do. He says to the crowd of people, listen to what he says. Look, I know you want to keep me here in Capernaum and heal all your sicknesses, cast out all your demons, and feed you and make life free of all problems. But that is not why I came to earth. My purpose in coming to earth, the reason I was sent to earth by God, is to preach the kingdom of God. I want you to understand, healing people, feeding people, casting out demons are all wonderful things that Christ could have done. All would have been good. But however wonderful these things are, Christ knew that if he focused on them, he would be be neglecting the one thing God wanted him to do, and that is preach the kingdom of God. I want to ask you, what are things that we need to do? What are things that we doing that we need to do better to preach the kingdom of God, to reach out to people, to bring people into the church, to get people to know who God is? What are things that we're doing? What are things we're not doing that we could do. You see, that's why I'm asking myself the question. That's why I'm asking you this question as we've talked about all these sermons. What is our purpose? Why are we doing what we're doing? And if we're not accomplishing what God has set before us, are we doing God's purpose in life and what we're supposed to be doing? In your outline, it says this. When we fail at our God-given purpose, we fail at everything. So with that statement, do you think it's important that we know our purpose, that we know our priorities? God sent Jesus to preach, and although there were many good other things he could have done, according to Luke 4.44, preaching is what Christ focused on. Verse 44 says this, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Again, that was his purpose. The reason he was sent, that was the one thing God wanted him to do. And according to Luke 4.44, this is what he did. He went from town to town, preaching in all the synagogues. Preaching was his God-given purpose. And since God was number one, priority one in his life, he did those things. So his relationship with God was priority one. Priority two in his life was fulfilling the will of God in his life. Understand, knowing what his purpose is and fulfilling his will is two different things. I can know that God wants me to go to Africa, okay? It's another thing for me to fulfill it. He has not called me to go to Africa. Thank God for small favors, okay? I don't think Africa and I would get along very well. Now, if he wants to send me to Hawaii for beach evangelism, we'll talk, okay? We'll talk about that. So Jesus fulfilled his purpose of preaching in the synagogues, preaching, doing God's will, because his number one purpose, his priority, is his relationship with the Father. Have you ever wondered why the early church had so much power? When you read Acts 4, 
or Acts 2. Have you ever wondered why? Remember what it says? It says they devoted to themselves to the teaching of the word. And in Acts 5.42, it says they met every single day to do what? To eat cookies? To have lunch together? No. They met together every day to hear the preaching of the word. Can I tell you something? That's making God a priority. Have you ever wondered how they had so much power? One reason, they made God priority in their lives, and every day they came to hear preaching, to be encouraged, to be equipped, so they could go out and fill other people's lives and give them their God-given purpose. But they knew and they understood they first had to be filled before they could go out to give. And it's, we're no different. We've got to be filled. And I've said that before. We should come to church needing to be filled because we've given everything we've gotten to the world. And we just need to come back and be encouraged. We just need to come back and be with our brothers and sisters. We need to just come back and just worship. And you know what? I don't care if you come in and worship and you are so tired, you are so dragging because you have done God's will in your life. And all you do is you sit there and you just listen on a Sunday. And you're just filled. But then when you leave this place, man, you're ready to go again because of what God is doing. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. And until we discover what that purpose is and begin to single-mindedly fulfill that purpose, life is going to be empty. Life is going to be meaningless. And most of the early Christians, I believe, knew that their purpose in life, they knew what it was. They understood what it was. This is where they went every day. So they could be instructed and encouraged. And once they'd been filled, they went back out and emptied themselves. So let me ask you this. We're getting ready to close. What is your God-given purpose? What is that God-given purpose? Have you ever thought about it? Have you really thought about it? Second question. Are you fulfilling that purpose? Are you doing everything you possibly can to fulfill the purpose? It seems like most of our lives lack that significance. And again, I'm not picking on anybody. I don't want to be mean. I just want to make sure we're clear about what our purpose is, that you know what your purpose is. Remember, Jesus was to preach. This was also the purpose of the apostles, and I believe that's my purpose to do what I do. But I want you to know this morning that each and every one of you here, and even those who couldn't make it this morning, I truly believe have a unique purpose. Each have a God-given purpose which only you can fulfill. Understand that. Each of you would need to seek to discover what that purpose is and to live it. We just need to. In your outline it says this. Life will not be complete until you have a God-given purpose. Again, I don't care what our age is. I don't care how old we are, how young we are. Until we have a God-given purpose, we're not going to be complete. If you want to know your God-given purpose, you first have to know what good news He has for you. You've got to listen to His Word. So in your line it says this. So do you want to know your purpose in life? Here's the answer. Make God a priority. Make God priority number one. Put Him up there. Don't let anything or anybody knock it off. This is not only for us individually, but it's us as a church because we come together to make up his church. In 1963, University Christian Church in New York 
close their doors to never reopen. And they put a sign on the front door when they closed and locked those doors. The sign said this, gone out of business because we didn't know what our business was. Think about that. Church closed its doors and literally said, gone out of business because we didn't know our business. What's our business, folks? What's our business as individuals? What's our business as a church? What, are, what do we need to be doing to fulfill God's will for our life? You see in your outline it says this, if a church is going to succeed, it needs to be filled with people who know their business, who know their purpose in life. One last one. Billy Sunday, the great baseball player turned evangelist, said that more men fell through lack of purpose than lack of talent. It's not because we don't have the talent. We just don't know our purpose. Every single one of us, I truly believe, has those gifts, has those abilities. And maybe you're sitting here saying, you know, Kurt, but I am 80, 90 years old. I really don't have much I can offer anymore. Or you may be sitting, we know kids are sitting here saying, well, you know, I'm so young, I don't know what I need to do anymore. And I'm telling you right now, if we're breathing this morning, and if you're not breathing, lay down. It makes it easier for the mortician to come get you out, okay? If you're sitting up, it's hard to get you laid back flat and, you know, all that good stuff. But if you're breathing this morning, which we all are, God has a purpose for you. Understand that. We have to find it. And just not understand that purpose, but fulfill that purpose. Each and every one of us has a unique purpose. And when we find that purpose, I can guarantee you, and we may say, well, there's, there's only 48 here today, but on that, it begins at 90 to 100 people have all their purposes. I guarantee you all those things are going to line up to fit God's will for West Liberty, to reach people for Jesus Christ, to do what God is calling us to do. I can guarantee you that. But the question is, are we willing to? Are we willing to listen to God? Are we willing to put God as a priority in our life? Are we willing to give up some of those things we like, that we enjoy? Are we willing to do those things in order to let God be number one, no matter what, no matter what's going on? 